mystery. In our history. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related, and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa, and joining me as always is Chris Perry. Howdy, howdy. Alright, so this episode we're going to be continuing our dive into aliens. The most, uh, I guess, widespread conspiracy theory. I mean... Every culture definitely believes something or another less yeah. of an alien. Right. So last uh, last episode we went over um, ancient alien theories, um, and now today we are going to be going over essentially um, the what makes Area Fifty One the hotbed of the alien UFO world, if you will. Um, so we you. have a couple stories that we're going to go through, and I know Chris is very excited. This is this is Chris's bread and butter, um, but oh, we're going to yeah. go a couple go through a couple of stories. Um, one is a little back, uh, a little further back in history, um, the Roswell incident, and then one is a little bit closer to today that really kind of put Area Fifty One on the map, which is uh, Bob Lazar. All right, so let's get started. And we're going to start with the Roswell incident. I am going to try and present this in as close to chronological order as I can. Um, it's kind of jumbled. There's certain things that kind of took place. But essentially, in a nutshell, this is the biggest... Let me rephrase. Because all of this is allegedly. <laughs> we, need to, we need to put a disclaimer in here that everything... Uh, associated with the Roswell incident is alleged. Yeah, this is basically as close to the truth as it gets without actually being there yourself. Um, yeah. Alleged. Again, there's so many different it's, sources. Right. So before we get into what allegedly happened, I'll give you guys the, the short version, which is in mid-1947, a United States Army Air Force's balloon crashed at a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. Following wide initial interest in the crashed flying disc, quote-unquote, the U.S. military stated that it was merely a conventional weather balloon. Now, this is the start to everyone, everybody's favorite movie, Cowboys vs. Aliens. Such a good and, movie. Uh, I actually haven't seen it. I can't and, believe you uh, haven't seen this movie. It, I, it's two it of my was, favorite things in one. It was so. one of those, like, I can't believe how bad this is, it makes it so good. Uh, I know. Isn't like Harrison Ford in it or something ridiculous? Yeah. Like, why haven't I seen people that, that shouldn't to... be in that movie are in that movie? <laughs> yeah. People who make too much money to be in that movie are in that movie. <laughs> Essentially. Anyway, there are many, many versions of the Roswell incident. So I'm. We're gonna try and present the most widely accepted version. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the short version, that's the government story. The story, according to anyone not speaking of the, on behalf of the U.S. military, is as follows. July 1st, 1947. Radar activity in Roswell, Albuquerque, and other surrounding cities began tracking an object whose speed, acceleration, and aerial maneuvers greatly exceeded anything known on earth up to that point <laughs> okay. so that's that's okay. where we're starting right day one day yep. one day that's radars going hinky july 2nd 1947 9 p.m mr and mrs dan wilmot witness an object fly over their house that was shaped quote like two inverted saucers faced mouth to mouth that's very romantic <laughs> um what the hell is the mouth of a saucer i didn't like uh, i worked in the hospitality business for a very long time that's not a thing yeah i don't i don't think so right <laughs> no the divot that's, maybe? that's the direct quote it's like 
essentially like they took two saucers and put them together and that's what the, the thing looked like mouth to mouth mouth to disgusting mouth. like it sounds gross anyway same day 10 30 p.m the same radar that picked up the object the night before witnessed the object returning pulsating and throbbing before streaking from one side of the screen to the other severe lightning and thunderstorms were hammering the foster's ranch outside of corona new mexico where a ranch hand named mac brazel or brazel i'm not sure the pronunciation pronunciation of his name but was watching the storm with his wife from their shack with no electricity and no running water Hmm, so at the same time that this radar is going completely haywire there's a severe lightning and thunderstorm hammering the ranch that these people are are working on okay also go ahead that that shack sounds tight no electricity no running water nothing dream shack yeah <laughs> great a <laughs> it's so bad like you can't imagine but this is 1947 new mexico yeah right so that's like how they, yeah that's and, how it was and we're believe me don't worry we're gonna revisit the shack the shack the shack so these and other others witnessed a flaming object descending from the sky around that time. Okay? Okay. Okay. July 3rd, 1 p.m. Police and multiple civilian witnesses see several flying disks in formation over Portland, Oregon. Okay? So this is happening... Around the same time, there's all these things that are that are taking place throughout Three the country. Three days apart. Right? There's a couple yeah. others. I think there was like a plane um, pilot that saw something in that kind of area too. I think it was around Seattle, but I'm not 100% sure on that location. Um, but essentially in the late 1940s, 1947 through, you know, the 1950, um, this nation was gripped in like UFO hysteria. Because don't forget, like World War II just ended – um we have like a bunch of of um technology that we've been working on because we were trying to create a nuclear bomb we created a nuclear bomb right so like i'm sure there were there are countless other projects that were probably being worked on so god only knows what was going on but the general consensus and the thought especially by ufo theorists is these are all just ufos going haywire over this part of the country have you um have you ever heard about what happened to uh, the first time we shot a nuke in space? No. It got shot down by a UFO. Shut plain as day. Up. Yeah. Look it up. It's I crazy. I will. I will they, look that up. They disabled it, yeah. Okay. Crazy, right? right? So Yes, that's... So, uh, D. Proctor, who worked with Brazel, Mac Brazel, um, on the Foster Ranch. And um, so that's just just an aside here. He's one of the guys that was working with Brazel during this, right? Uh, many attempts were made to interview him about the events over these few days that happened in New Mexico. Um, and all of those attempts failed. He was terrified to discuss this whole situation and and the quote is he would quote run end quote out of the room at the slightest mention however he like weighed 350 pounds so i don't think there was a lot of running involved no dude i i like recently lost like a decent chunk of weight and i'm still not running for anything dude a brisk walk is the best you're getting out of me we'll say you did a brisk walk <laughs> he firmly stood up and walked yeah. away just a nice little power all right, so, same day, July 3rd. Mac and D are herding sheep to their only water source because, this don't forget, this is the desert in New Mexico, right? And these guys are sheep right. herders, so they're bringing their sheep off to the only place that they can get water. By the way, are you kidding me with those names, Mac and D? Like, always sunny in, like, always sunny in Philadelphia right there? <laughs> Talking about how the son of a bitch almost stole all their goddamn sheep? <laughs> My lord, man. I didn't even put two and two together on that. Oh, the, the first thing I saw when I saw Mac and D, I was just like, 
straight up. Where's Charlie? And where's Charlie and Dennis? When they get back to the shack, they're going to eat a rum ham. Yeah, Frank's already at the water source. <laughs> All right. So, as they're herding these sheep to the water source, their uh, path is blocked by debris. It is three quarters of a mile long and over 200 feet wide, and the sheep wouldn't cross it. In the center of the debris, there was a 500-foot gouge that looked like the skid of an aircraft, quote-unquote, allegedly, and allegedly, the sand in the center was turned to glass. Now, keep in mind, right, because we discussed um, last episode in Ancient Aliens, right, there's no true like ufo sightings or um all these ancient alien theories like there's no real physical tangible evidence to distinguish whether or not you know hypothesis a or hypothesis b actually happened but this is the only time in all of ufo conspiracy lore that there has ever been physical evidence reported right exactly and that's that's why when it when allegedly keeps happening because like i get like the government says this doesn't happen but everyone else who's not the government says it had so this is like the first recorded evidence not left to interpretation and as we'll get into um later on in this story like the government pretty much admitted it like this is if if any of this actually happened and it was a ufo this is the biggest fuck up by the government like about anything ever yeah because they did not handle this well no they strong-armed a lot of people Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that were involved in this are were just idiots Mm -hmm. that too that too so anyway so they come across this big old debris, right? So Brazel takes a piece of debris and he hides it in the sheep shack. Not his shack, but the sheep shack. You know, like the she shed. Oh, does that one have running water and electricity? Yeah, the sheep of shack? course. The sheep shack has one. <laughs> but not Brazel's. No. <laughs> oh, Brazel, so, buddy. Brazel being the, uh, well, I mean, if you, if you didn't have running water or electricity, um, and I'm almost positive that without those two things you're not exactly going to be uh shacked up with a supermodel right yeah so what do you do if you're brazel you go to the bar as often as humanly possible (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's how you spent your night so brazel's so brazel's in the bar and he is bragging in the bar about how he needs help with cleaning up all this debris from some Right, so all the debris on his on his uh, property. This random guy sitting at the bar fills him in about a $3,000 reward from a newspaper for evidence of a UFO. Because, again, there's UFO hysteria sweeping the nation, and this guy has no idea about the UFO hysteria because he's living in a shack with no electricity and no running water. Classic 1947, you know? Just no internet, no phone. Come on. Nothing. He's got nothing. He's eating cold beans. That's his his idea of a good time. There might be a fire outside. and heat him up. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mac goes home, gathers up some debris in a shoebox, and takes it to Roswell the next day. But instead of taking it to any kind of media outlet which i think there's only radio and newspaper at this point in history even radio is kind of new um yep he takes it to roswell's sheriff the next person we're introducing which is um whose name is george wilcox and george wilcox is quite possibly one of the biggest douchebags in this entire story Anyway, so there are multiple versions of this particular part of the story. 
um, version A, which I think is probably like the movie version, is Mac goes in, Brazel goes into the sheriff's office and goes, oh my God, sheriff, there's a UFO crash landed on my branch and here's the debris and here's some evidence and the sheriff goes, well, golly gee, let's go check it out. And they jump in the car and they go. That is not what happened according to anyone else. <laughs> um, essentially, the most widely and accurately believed version is that the sheriff thought Mac was full of shit. It's it's uh, it's pretty true too. I mean, you can find a lot of evidence backing that up, and uh, he he was basically mocked and taken so lightly that they almost didn't even go to his ranch to check it out. Yeah. Um, because they, they just thought he was a complete joke like right again 19 1947 wasn't great to everybody uh a lot of people were merc- mercilessly mocked especially a guy who living in a shed with uh i'm sorry a shack a shack it's, a shack. it's not a shed it's a shack right. and it yeah. has no electricity and no running water i don't want to be i don't want to be disrespectful to the shack <laughs> but i mean and and i think because of the next person that it, we're about to introduce i think this is the most accurate version of this story because the same day that Brazel is in with Wilcox showing him this shoebox of debris, Frank Joyce, who is a radio employee, calls the sheriff, or the local Roswell radio station, uh, calls the sheriff looking for hot tips. So the sheriff has his little light bulb go off and pawns Brazel off on Joyce and tells Joyce, hey, I got this guy in here claiming this blah 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 so Joyce after hearing Brazel's story tells Mac to immediately call the local army airfield and report the discovery he heard what Mac was saying he he took all this stuff and he was like you need to call these guys right now you need to hang up with me and call these people excuse me so here's something important to understand about the Roswell Army Air Base or Airfield. It was home to the 509th Bombing Wing. That's the only nuclear armed airstrike force at the time in the entire country. And those are the same guys that dropped both bombs on Japan at the end of the war. Okay? So All, already no good. <laughs> right. So, one, two, everybody working there? are leftovers from the Manhattan Project. Because don't forget, this is where they were testing nuclear weapons. So everybody there is essentially pre-CIA. God, man, a little off topic, but I gotta fucking hate the CIA. (laughs) Such an unnecessary division within our government, man. And, like, I'm convinced they have done way more bad than good in the world total. They're basically our home... Dude, they're just homegrown terrorists, man. Like, what can you say? The CIA, they're they're no good. If if all the rumors about the CIA are true, they're essentially just operating without any kind of... No warrant. Checks or balances, right. They're they're just like, oh, we're going to do this. Like, if... Black budgets and all that shit. Right, like, if... Oh, and that's... Yeah, oh black budgets will uh, we'll I think we're going to have to save that for another podcast but I was watching there's there's something that literally just came out on Netflix that I'm super excited about and it's um it's like this 1991 I think or maybe even a, a 1999 2000 something like that it's this panel of 10 people that all like worked and and like dis- say they worked on like UFOs and stuff that came out about it it's like I, I literally just watched the it was like maybe 12 hours ago I saw this um, hmm. that's, but yeah, that's like cool. I want to check it out because it's it seems like it's a pretty cool documentary my thing is is like all the way up until this year I basically haven't believed much about anyone who claims about knowledge of a UFO but something happened this year and we were just we've been openly talking about it on on the news been openly talking about it in articles on the web and it's not getting shut down anymore Mm -mm. that's insanely i don't know that's 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 suspect i truly think it's just because 
there's no way to now. You know what I mean? Like information is so readily available and so easily accessible that it's impossible. Like remember when Beyonce wanted that stupid picture of her taken off the internet? Oh God! And the internet just said, "Actually, no, that's right. ours." You, like I, you, I don't even think because e- there's the dark web. Like the government, even the government can't shut down something if it's on the internet. You know what right. I mean? Because they they may be able to control like take it off the normal sites, but there's the dark web, and they're just gonna be like, Haha, "Fuck you, it's back." Yeah, they can only control the spread to the top layer of the internet there, right. but everything lower, it just that's free reign. Right. All right. Back from tangent. Yeah. <laughs> so now, um, so Joyce tells Brazel, call the AAF, Army Air Force Base. I'm going to just try and abbreviate that. Mm-hmm. See how that works. So Sheriff Wilcox overhears this, right? Because this is all still, I guess, taking place in the sheriff's office. Right. Sheriff Wilcox hears the infliction in Joyce's voice. And loses his mind, starts to panic, and he calls the AAF himself beca- and to report it because he's a giant bag of dicks. Yeah, dude, this guy <laughs> sucks, man. Like, everything you see about he's this guy, everyone's worst. just like, he's the toilet paper of the town. No one likes this guy. Oh, he's such a dick. And, like, later on, I don't know if I, I – we're not going to touch a lot on it, but, like, it's rumored that he's the one – that was like personally going around and like strong arming people after like the yeah. government's trying to like go and cover this up. Like he's the guy yep. threatening people directly. Yeah, I'm, but I'm I pretty digress. sure he was put in charge of yeah. that. Um, okay, so the army gets the call. The army then dispatches Major Jesse Marcel. And actually, I don't hate Marcel. Some people do. I don't. I don't hate him that much. I mean, I think... He was just kind of wrong place, wrong time. He was just, he but was I'll tell you the job so, right, and and yeah. I'll explain. Give me a sec. All right, I'll explain why I don't hate him. So Marcel goes to Foster Ranch, okay, and goes with Mac to investigate the site. Did you hear that voice crack? That's good. <laughs> Last episode I couldn't freaking talk. <laughs> this episode my voice is cracking. <sighs> <laughs> So he goes with Mac to investigate the site. Marcel reported that he was amazed at what he saw. And remember, all of this is still allegedly. He was amazed at what he saw. There were large amounts of debris over a large area, and there was, quote, something strange about it, end quote. So this is paraphrasing a little bit, and I it's also kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but this metal here, a lot of people said that this metal was worked in the sense that it was seamless all around. Not a single seam in the metal anywhere to be seen. Um, so basically it was put together, or it, wasn't, it was not put together like that. It was molded like that. Um, Correct. So essentially they found small, smooth, very thin, very light, but extremely strong pieces of aluminum-like metal that could not be cut, scratched, bent, or burned, allegedly. I'd like to see a piece of that, honestly. Absolutely. If it, if it Well, there's a picture. There's a picture somewhere of somebody, because they ship this stuff once they go to the ranch and they, like, start taking all this stuff and just putting it in their Jeeps. We'll get into that in a minute. Um... But it it ends up getting shipped all over the country. Some to D.C., I think some went to, like, Chicago or or somewhere in the middle of the country. And there's a picture of somebody, like, holding this, like, miracle metal, I think is what they ended up calling it. Um, Something like that. And there is just, like, in somebody's office just holding it. So they also found thin I-beams that were as light as balsa wood for those of you listening who have never seen balsa wood it is essentially um as brittle a wood as you can possibly find it's also one of the lightest woods in existence um so these i-beams were as light as balsa wood but they were extremely strong and they had writing on them allegedly that resembled hieroglyphics 
without the animals. Now that's wild to me. Because hieroglyphics, right? Okay, so you think about it. We had hieroglyphics back uh, in, in our last episode we were talking about with ancient aliens. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes you wonder if that's how they would try to communicate with us if we didn't speak the same language, in a sense, talking in pictures to each and other. symbols. Hence, making this language right. of hieroglyphics. And then the Egyptians would have, at that point... Um... adopted adopted it and and just made it their own language right because that's that's what we're talking about essentially like the mayans and the egyptians uh buried their dead in a very similar fashion but there's no proof that either of those cultures knew the other existed right right um okay so they found also allegedly they found thread-like wires (laughs) It's just, you know, I, I don't want to get sued two episodes into our podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that'd be bad. Right. They found thread like wires that could not be damaged and a small, seamless black box that could not be opened. So that's that's more of that seamless metal mm-hmm. that I was talking about. Um, it's a very common theme. In fact, it's rumored that if you if you see or if there's like a picture of a UFO and there are visible seams in it, that that's actually a reverse engineered man-made machine mm-hmm. because we don't know how to make a one seamless piece uh, right. UFO. And it's called uh, memory metal, not miracle metal. It's, memory it's metal. commonly referred to as man- memory metal because like they people like try to make it into different shapes and always just returns to the same shape that's Um, so insane allegedly so So but this specific detail is the one that keeps my skeptic senses going because the black box is our idea in my you know what i mean like airplanes they all have a black box so that when they crash Mm. you can tell what happened now, that's not to say we didn't get that idea from aliens, right? Aliens land at Roswell. I didn't do the research. That's but interesting. when was the first black box put in an airplane? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Or, uh, see, because when I, when I was going through this, I didn't think of it as a black box, as in the sense of an airplane, but black box. But more or less just like... Um, just like, a piece like, of, like a box that was just in the, the ship. A back, yeah, a backpack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like our equivalent of a backpack. Like they had this metal. Maybe they can open it with their mind, their hand, whatever. Right. Um, Which is completely possible or plausible too. Um, but my mind Im- immediately went to little black box because it's a crash. And if that's the case, like a, maybe it is man-made, or b, where did we get the idea for the black box? Right. You know what I mean? Like the argument can be ba- made on both <laughs> sides there. So, Marcel and Brazel are out there um, with another gentleman named uh, Cabot. So, Marcel, Marcel, Jesus, Marcel starts loading up the trunk of his car full of debris. Just starts throwing debris into his car, right? I'd do the same thing if I was in his shoes. Absolutely. Because they went out there, I guess, uh, Brazel, Brazel was out there on like horseback because if you don't live in if you live in a shack with no heat or hot water or running water or electricity i'm I yeah. doubt that you have an operating vehicle yeah um, cars were more readily available then but not but yeah. everyone had a car they still rode horses right so marcel and cabot just start throwing debris into the trunks of their jeeps right cabot takes the debris to his house at 2 a.m. and shakes his wife and kid awake and just brings them downstairs into the kitchen and they're just literally playing with all of this debris at 2 o'clock in the morning because keep in mind, nothing has been classified yet. This is all like, this hasn't hit anybody higher up than Marcel. 
that's why it's so nuts to me. It's just that, and that's why there's so much information on this. It's strange because there's there's so many versions of this story, yeah. And some are in fact uh, controlled mis in misinformation mm-hmm. uh, with the sole purpose of muddling the official story. They'll throw something wild in there that makes you go, oh, what? No. Yeah. So. This is it, but yeah, it's it's just crazy stuff that's had. Like, okay, so. Marcel brings all this stuff back to the army. The army reviews things. Now the army releases an official statement. And I want to say allegedly again, but this is an official statement. Yeah. Stating that a flying saucer had been captured by a sheep herder and mentioned Marcel by name as the man who recovered and loaned it to higher headquarters for further testing. And this official statement gets swept up and by, like, everything and just takes over the nation. New local celebrities in town. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a new local celebrity. You got Joyce. You got Brazel. You got all these guys. <laughs> Even Wilcox, unfortunately, that stupid son of a bitch. God, fuck Wilcox. But, like, it sweeps the nation. And don't forget, again... This is like UFO hysteria, right? This is also around the time, and I don't remember the exact year, but remember there was like a radio program, War of the Worlds, where like they did an actual radio broadcast, and it was just a show. It was just for show, but it was essentially a broadcast, a fictional broadcast that we were being invaded by aliens, and it caused national hysteria people lost their minds this is the era that you're living that this story is taking place in right now like people are actively freaking out about ufos and the army released an official statement saying a flying saucer had been captured by a sheep herder and mentioned marcel by name like these people were involved jeez man now that's not even where the story gets like crazy interesting because this is the next part that's even worse or not worse but even crazier Joyce remember Joyce radio guy mm-hmm. yep because there's so many people I want to make sure that everybody's following Joyce radio guy catches up with Brazel guy that lives in a shack with no power no water and interviews him again after this stuff has taken place. They discuss allegedly finding little people that weren't human in the debris. Yep. Yep. And that's that's a part that gets scrubbed out of the story quite often, mm-hmm. in fact. Um, or it's just not a very commonly thing. But we found bodies at Area 51. Or, um, I'm sorry, not Area 51, but yeah, the, the Roswell site. My bad. No, it's often um, it's but, believed that the little green or the, the little bodies that we found because I think the general consensus among UFO theorists and UFO lore was that these were, what's the term? Basic grays, I think is the term yeah. that's used. Like the gray alien as opposed to yeah. little green men. This is like gray alien with the big eyes and the big head and little skinny bodies. Absolutely. The, the, just like, uh, Elvis from perfect dark. If you, if you ever play that game. Yep. So exactly. Joyce is like freaking out. Right. Cause now he's got a huge story. Oh, he's gonna be number one. Oh, absolutely. He's going to put this little local radio station on the map. Right. So they're getting ready to go on the air and do this whole interview and read out the interview. And who should call but the FCC? The one of the worst, if not one of the worst, um, government agencies in existence. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So the FCC and the reason. Okay, so the reason why I say that is I'm a huge proponent of free speech and I'm a, I'm a big fan of a lot of comedians and I'm just sick and tired of people getting in trouble for for saying things I think it's ridiculous 
um, if you know George Carlin, he had one of like the best quotes about political correctness and the FCC essentially. And, and what he said was political correctness is just fascism trying to be polite. And that's paraphrasing. I don't think that's a direct quote, but like uh, that's almost identical to the quote. Yeah. 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 So that's why I don't like the FCC. But anyway, the FCC in this particular situation calls the station and threatens to revoke their license if they air the Brazel interview. And the reason they stated was national security. Now that's that's crazy. It's okay. Stupid. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sideswipe this here for a second and. Okay. Um, so basically, if if you're listening to this, I'm sure um, you're familiar with Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Uh, it's a big conspiracy theory uh, AM talk show uh, that has gone on forever. Mm-hmm. Christ, uh, one of my first jobs was actually being a, a soundboard controller for an AM radio station, and I would come in and listen to that in the morning. That's awesome. Um, yeah, at four in the morning that. listening By the way, to some Art I Bell. I did not know yeah. about that, that, you, that was yeah. one of your jobs. One of my first jobs. It was a cool job. And here job, I am it... doing all of the work on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, it was uh, it, it paid nothing, and I got very little out of it. That's, I'm but anyway, just kidding. I digress. Um, so basically, um, the recording's pretty easy to find, and in fact, there will be um, a link in the description below. But um, it's also at the end of Tool's 2001 album Lateralis. Um, it's a hidden track. Um, but at 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, September 11th. Suspect date, by the way. Always going to throw that, that out there. Is that part of Pizzagate or is that? No, that's not. Pizzagate something else. Never mind. No, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not that. But yeah, um, September 11th. So, that's a weird date to, to have there. Yeah, like everything happens on that date and it's it's too suspect. But anyway, um, he, he designated one phone line for Area 51 employees who wanted to discuss the secretive base. Uh, several callers... Uh, several callers claimed to work at Area 51, but the bizarre highlight of the night is when a seemingly distraught and terrified man claimed to be a former Area 51 employee, recently discharged for medical reasons. He cited malevolent extraterrestrial. Wow, I'm going to stutter here. Welcome to my world. Terrestrials. Um, at Area 51, describing them as extra dimensional beings who are not what they claim to be now those are exact quotes and he uh basically he says um they're impeding disaster with the government uh knew would take major popular centers midway through his call bell's program went off the air for 30 minutes after talking to one of the network engineers the official explanation was that the network satellite had lost earth lock or had forgotten where earth was Network officials were baffled, what? and the cause, yeah, the cause remains a mystery. The timing of it was just too convenient, and they discuss how they went off the air um, and just think that it was no coincidence that this happened when it happened. So now this is oh, like another one of those, so the FCC calls the producer, the, the station manager, and says, get this fucking show off the air right now. And it might right. not have been so, the FCC. It might have been somebody way higher up than the FCC. I think it was an emergency tactic to take it off but, the air yeah. ASAP. And then they just had to come up with, like, a BS reason for what happened. And this is the best thing they could think of on such short notice. So here's the thing. If you listen to this video, the terror in this man's voice is so insane. It's so genuine. He's trembling on the phone. He's almost crying when he's on the phone. Now, you hear a lot of prank phone calls. You hear bad acting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This sounds like a genuine man running. Every, every and, phone scam on every single morning right. radio show. This man sounds like he's scared for his life. Um, so, um, so th- I mean, there's really no way to really prove one way or the other whether this was real or fake or whatever there's a lot of very strange circumstances however this is where it gets even weirder somebody called back i think it was either the next day or a few days out and claimed to be that man in the prank however um art bell basically said 
you know, you sound very disingenuine. You don't sound like the man who was talking to me on the phone. Your voice isn't even really the same. I'm not basically saying I don't buy that you're the same person. Right. I think you're trying to cover up for something that happened. And the guy was just like, ah, ha, ha, no, no, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Um, and you can easily find that clip somewhere too i don't have a link but we'll we'll find it and put it down there yeah. um that's and crazy if you listen dude. if you listen to the two it's not it's, it's not, not the same, same dude not the same guy so that guy's probably dead yeah probably so after the fcc calls the nevada senator also gives a ring a ding ding to this local radio station and says the same thing that they're gonna lose their license if they air this now, here's some crazy stuff, right? So, a mortician, a local mortician in Roswell, New Mexico, <laughs> allegedly received phone calls from the AAF re- inquiring about the availability of small caskets as well as inquiries about what effect certain chemicals would have on diseased, I'm sorry, deceased tissue. And there were also inquiries, allegedly, as to how to prepare a body that was exposed to the elements. Oh, man. (laughs) Just, like, leave it up to, like, okay, listen, love it or hate it, America, man, we just have these fucking values all the time. It's just like, hmm, little alien man that fell out of the sky, and and he needs a proper burial. Let's get this boy a casket. Like, we need to put him out back. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) we need to bury him. (laughs) This is still, like, good old Christian values. Oh, yeah. This is praise the Lord and past the ammunition era. Very, yeah. Um... So, after a lot of alleged death threats, most of which allegedly were doled out by Wilcox, the sheriff, of course, and a lot of back and forth, we land on the, quote, official story, end quote, it was a weather balloon. Yeah, of course it's a weather balloon. It's always a goddamn weather balloon. Every fucking time something is spotted that can't be explained, that's a weather balloon. It's Mm -hmm. just like bullshit. Yeah. Now, Mac Brazel, right? Don't forget about this guy. Mm. He retracted his story and was reported, uh, reportedly kept under house arrest by the AAF for a specific for an extended period of time. Sketchy. And then all of a sudden, he shows up at the same bar that he was bragging about the debris. With a brand new truck telling everybody that he resigned from his sheep herding position at the ranch, Foster Ranch, to start his own business. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because he got some hush money to not talk about this ever again. <laughs> Obviously, like, their government was just like, listen, what, what, name your price. Yeah, oh, a truck? Yeah, okay. Because accordingly, according to... Um, Joyce, like he tried to have another conversation or something like that with Brazel, and Brazel was essentially like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about. We never talked about that. You, you're making stuff up." Like, and Joyce is like, "Dude, we just talked about you finding aliens like a day ago. What the hell are you talking about?" And he's yeah. like, "No, man, that's that's yeah, that didn't happen. No, no, wrong guy. Happen. That ain't me. Yeah, yep. exactly." <laughs> got your facts straight you should write things down more legibly Uh, shit yeah so roswell is the tip of the iceberg right in all of this ufo stuff but it's very important to know the details of this because it's one of the major building blocks in the foundation for the conspiracy theories that surround area 51 so what is area 51 area 51 the origin of the name Area 51 isn't really clear. It's believed to be um, from the Atomic Energy Commission numbering grid. That's the the information that I could really find on it. Um, according to the CIA, which, you know, how, how uh, reliable yeah. can that information be? But you the correct names for the facility are Homie Airport, KXTA, and Groom Lake. 
uh, though the name Area 51 was used in a CIA document from the Vietnam War. Um, I believe it's also referred to as Paradise Lake or something like that, too. Um, but we'll yeah, you that. mentioned that somewhere. There. Yeah. Um, so the CIA established the Groom Lake Test Facility in April 1955 for Project Aquatone, which was the development of the Lockhead U-2 Strategic Reconnaissance Aircraft. <laughs> it's just a mouthful. <laughs> that is, and that's uh, that's Lockheed, as in Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Project director Richard Bissell Jr. understood that the first, the I'm sorry, that the flight test and pilot training programs could not be conducted at, let's say, Edwards Air Force Base or Lockheed's uh, Palmdale facility, given the extreme secrecy surrounding the project. Again. These are all leftovers from the Manhattan Project. This is all shady shit. This is like the beginning of the CIA. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's... he conducted a search for a suitable testing site for the U-2 under the same extreme security as the rest of the project. What better place than where they were secretly building weapons of mass destruction during World War II? Right. And it's just a little fishy that, you know, all of a sudden all of these advanced weapons are now suddenly coming out of area 51 now that all this new technology mm-hmm. just got hush hushed in there yeah right and the area was renamed paradise ranch that's what it was not paradise yeah. lake paradise ranch to encourage workers to move to the new facility because it's in the middle of friggin nowhere in the desert <laughs> yeah that's like being like hey uh, uh, you're not a cashier at this grocery store, pal. You're a paradise cashier. <laughs> uh, yeah. You think more people are going to apply? I'm, I'm just a little curious. <laughs> so ridiculous. So stupid. Going to go to Paradise Ranch. Also, obviously no disrespect to any cashiers out there. Like, it's an honorable job. No I'm disrespect saying, to anybody like, that even went and was a flight test pilot here. It's just ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous, right. like, concept. It's like... It's just you want to you want to be a pilot? Yeah. Do you want to be a pilot at Paradise Ranch? Yeah, sure. Where do I go? Middle of the desert, New Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, you're going to find out at some point you're moving to New Mexico. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. So here this is where the conspiracy theories get their traction. Okay? So the site has been highly classified for a very long time. Um, and used for many classified missions after the U2, including Project Oxcart, D-21 Tag Board, Foreign Technology Evaluation During the Cold War, which, interestingly enough, if they have the capabilities to evaluate foreign technology already Mm. established, how did they know that they were going to need that? Mm. And (laughs) uh, I think it's Have or Have Blue F-111, or I'm sorry, 117 program. So these are all classified missions. They're all um, essentially flight-related and aircraft-related. Um, so all of these highly classified programs featuring aircraft means you can't have any other aircraft flying over the area. So airspace is restricted. No one can see or know anything about what's going on in this classified base. Combine that with Roswell just being a hop, skip, and a jump away, just like Six Flags, and boom, conspiracy theory has a leg to speculate on. Because yep. you just, it's just like the perfect storm of shit went down, rumors started, why is it so classified? Well, that's one of the things, too, is like, you got to remember, too, back in this time, government was, was a little bit more transparent than it is today. Um, a lot of people, you know, basically would, would demand to know what's going on. And I think that's why um, Area 51 is such a well-known conspiracy, because back then people were asking questions, saying, mm-hmm. hey, what's going on back there? We're citizens. We have the right to know. And, um, you know, there's there's not only a story to back up extraterrestrial beings here uh, and UFOs, but, but shortly after we saw such huge, huge advancements in technology, not only in aircraft, but just in general with our technology. Oh, you yeah, know, man. Uh, I mean, this is, this is nuts. <laughs> 
And like, yeah. so that's the thing. So for many years, Area 51 is this classified military base conducting who knows what for experiments, right? Yep. And then in 1989, a man by the name of Dennis comes forward with his personal accounts of what goes on inside these classified bases. And that brings us to Bob Lazar. Now, right away, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. There are a lot of people that take Bob Lazar's account of things and go, there's your proof. And there's a lot of people that take Bob Lazar and go, are you kidding? This is why nothing's going on. And you, you don't think that Bob Lazar is credible at all. I think he's a fucking hack. Okay. So we'll get into that. But, okay. I, but, for, but first, <laughs> I want to say I attempted, and I mean with all my heart and soul I attempted, to watch the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is hands down the worst put together documentary I have ever seen in my entire life. It's oh, awful. God, it's it's probably drier than a saltine left in a 90-degree car. No, the problem is is that – and granted, as many people will see as I read through this particular section, um, this is not exciting material. But they tried to spruce this up. The director tried to spruce this up. Like there's – and I mean, I cannot listen to Mickey Rourke lateral lisp through this freaking thing as he narrates. I literally, I stopped it halfway through. I couldn't do it. It's so bad, dude. It's no, so bad Mickey listening Rourke. to him. Mickey Rourke is the freak. Yes, and I'm not talking about like "Where's my birth?" from Iron Man, Ricky Mickey Rourke. I'm talking about just Mickey Rourke's regular voice. It was terrible. Uh, wrestler Mickey Rourke. Yes, it was absolutely atrocious. I couldn't do it. I turned it off, couldn't get to the end of it. However, here we go anyway. Decent actor, by the way. Yes. Decent movies, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's not a bad actor, but this was shit. And yeah. I, like, so, he's great when he's doing... Right? And he's great <laughs> when he's doing um, things, like, when he's doing a voice that's not his own, he's a much better actor. Yes. So... Dennis was later found out to be a false identity to protect the identity of Bob Lazar, a man, excuse me, a man who claims to have worked at S4, which is a facility 15 miles south of Area 51. Bobo claims that while working at S4, he was charged with reverse engineering purported extraterrestrial technology. In other words... Bob's job was to make a UFO fly. All right. First red flag, fake name, hate him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, if if this is true. That does make sense to have right, a fake like, name, especially. Uh, until so you know that you're not just going to die from doing what you're doing because this is all super classified stuff. But here's the thing. He would be dead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't – well, so – <laughs> anyone who leaks anything that's credible is dead that's yeah, all i'm gonna say I, I don't hate that analysis according to lazar during his time at s4 there were a total of nine extraterrestrial crafts held there by the government lazar claims that the propulsion of the studied vehicle was fueled by atomic element 115 muscovium which sounds like something out of the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. First, synthes- synth- first synthesized in 2003, Lazar explained that E-115 generates a gravity wave. So these things are running based on gravity. Um, now, interestingly enough, little side note, that actually makes a lot of sense if you watch... There's a bunch of really good documentaries on Netflix that are called uh, – they're done by PBS, but they're called the Nova Series. And okay. there's there's one about black holes, and essentially that's like the main thing is that like black holes are all of this um, immense gravity. And they say that like gravity is the most powerful force in all of space and like the, the best way to, to – 
figure out how to do like faster than light travel is to harness gravity somehow. That's just, you know, speculation, whatever, an aside. Um, I may even cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes sense. A lot of, uh, a lot of people yeah. think that aircrafts are actually, oh, basically what happens is they sit inside a pocket of gravity um, and just kind of, for lack of a better term, fall at such a high speed through space. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the E one fifteen basically can dictate which way this craft will fall through space, if you will. Right. I know it's, it's, there's a lot of theory in UFOs, but yeah. In addition to all of these claims that were already made, Lazar claims that during his onboarding into the program, he read briefing documents describing the historical involvement with Earth for the past 10,000 years by extraterrestrial beings, or the Greys. These aliens are from a planet, allegedly, orbiting the twin binary star system Zeta Reticuli. I mean, maybe, but listen, man. It's, I yeah, but just like don't... now it's just getting more and more far-fetched. Right. I just don't buy Bob Lazar is my thing. Right. I just don't. Well, I just. I think he's a patsy. I think he's controlled misinformation. Um, I think because because again, going back to it, going back to it, everyone who has broke the silence that has led to something being of value discovered is has, dead. Is dead. Um, that's why I think Stephen Greer, um, again, is another another big name in the science uh, UFO community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why is he not dead for breaking the silence? Because right. someone gave him the okay. And now he, he lives under this whole, oh, I'm always watching my back, and oh, I watch my friends die. Well, your friends were probably leaking shit that they probably shouldn't have been leaking. You right. were a little bit more careful. Now you're in the government's pocket. That's just my own personal conspiracy I, theory. I get it. I mean, it makes sense. That's, that's the crazy part about conspiracy theories is a lot of them make a lot of sense, and this is why we're even doing this podcast. Right. So let's talk about some Bob Lazar discrepancies. <laughs> Good. Discredit him. (laughs) So, number one, his education is a major debating point and often used by debunkers as grounds to dismiss him because Bob claims to have degrees from MIT and Caltech, but these were not verified when background checks were done on him in the initial interviews in 1989. They couldn't find any record of him actually attending the colleges from the colleges but there's a bunch of people that were like oh no he was going so mm. in fact <laughs> this is also kind of 1A uh, Mr. Lazar was arrested in the early 90s for pandering for those of you who do not know what pandering is he was helping to run a brothel slash whorehouse um according to him just giving them sound business advice that's not a direct quote but that's essentially what he was doing in his words um another background check was done on him by the courts the lawyers people's whose job it is to vet this guy that they've arrested and still could not find anything on his education however this actually may be more of a benefit to Bob Lazar than a lot of people would think, including my esteemed uh, co-host here, Chris Barry, because at that time in the early 90s, people were not really prosecuted for pandering, right? Like they, this is not like a huge, awful crime that's taking place. Uh, Bob was. So why was Bob, Right. Maybe it's because, like, he was saying a lot of stuff that he wasn't supposed to be saying, and now people are, you know, making sure that he could... Because he had, like, 10 years in prison on the table or something stupid like that. Um, Also, even if someone was to be prosecuted, he's a first-time offender. So probation is the most likely sentence, except across the board, jail time is being recommended by, like, every single hearing that is taking place, right? So if there was ever a time to come clean and help yourself and say, I made all this shit up, 
I never went to MIT or Caltech. I'm a giant fraud. Please take it easy on me. Uh, my bad. Now is the time to do it. And he never did it. That's my uh, only – That's I'm just saying that that is something to look at and go at any point in time. What was happening to him was not worth it if he's lying. That checks out. That checks and, out. I get And he's I really get that. not gained anything extravagant from this. I mean he's a known figure now. Yeah, but I mean least. like he's not like wealthy beyond his wildest dreams or anything like that. You know what right. I mean? Right. So. I don't know. Maybe the judge just wanted to throw him in jail because he's a fucking hack. <laughs> and even the judge hates him for being a hack because he's a fucking hack. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, I you, mean, would you say that Bob Lazar is a hack? Yeah, I, I would say that. I would say that he's a hack. I know a lot of people think that what he has to say is very legitimate, and um, and in fact, I have listened to some of his stuff and went, okay, but that's because it matches up with some of the other things that I've heard. But again, it's hard. It's it's hard to tell what is credible or not because mm-hmm. again. You know some of these some of these things that you hear are from people that are dead, mm-hmm. some or some of the that things you hear, that you hear are for people that are being fed these things by the government potentially. Right, right, right. So yeah. who knows? Well, regardless of whether Lazar was being truthful, this is the series of events that made Area Fifty One the hotbed for alien conspiracies today. Right, Lazar comes out and says, we're reverse engineering UFOs. We have little green men that are, like, living on the base. Now, that is also um, refuted by Bob Lazar. He said, essentially, he said, like, it could have been a little green man, but what he most likely saw was a dummy or something that they put in a chair. I think that was stupid. Yeah. But... This is all the reason why, like a, like about a month from now, on September 20th, 2019, over 2 million people have signed up to storm Area 51 and try and uncover the secrets that are held within. What do you, I mean, honestly, what do you think is going to happen that day? Like, I I'm said trying it, to... I've already said it last episode i think that they are all going to get mowed down if they truly try to storm a military base especially one that is classified right they are going to get mowed down there's no like no one comes out of this in any way shape or form that's good for them you're either that's, going to be you're either going to be dead or at a black site. That's the most reasonable explanation, honestly, to, to what you're saying. They're, here. they're idiots. Why would you do it? Like what? You don't need to know that badly. Counter. Maybe because they had the two months now to prepare for this. Maybe they moved all the shit out of there, moved it somewhere else. And then they're just going to open their gates to everyone who shows up and be like, Unless, all right, here's the, here's the Area 51 tour. I feel like unless there is some, and there very well could be, some underground secret getaway bunker site, whatever you want. I don't, I, I don't even know the words I'm looking for. But like unless there's some way to get all this classified crap out of there without being noticed – yeah, people are checking satellite imagery every day. Yeah, people I don't are think watching. People are there. People are are checking and making sure like convoys aren't going in and out and trying. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's got like you would hear about it because if the news is willing to put this douchebag who started it in his Naruto freaking costume doing anime runs. On TV, they're going to report, oh my god, Area 51 is experiencing heavier traffic than usual. What's going on down there? Like, it's it's, it's a needless news story, but you know that they would be reporting it. Yeah. 
I'm not against the the theory of there being a tunnel underground. And in fact, I could probably do an entire one of these episodes about underground tunnels in the U.S. But maybe we will. That's another time. Yeah. We'll start it's... with the Underground Railroad and just work our way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that counts, but I mean, uh, yeah, that counts. That counts. Underground Why is in the title. Count? Underground yeah. is in the title. Why wouldn't that count? I guess it's not a conspiracy uh, or an urban legend, though. That yeah, well, that, that's yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's not <laughs> at all fit the criteria. <laughs> it just it just meets A and B, but it's not really a secret. Right. Oh what God. you know what would be great, actually. This this is probably the best possible outcome for this. Again, I don't think 2 million people are going. There's no way in hell 2 million people are going. But let's say 30,000 people go. Still haven't done the math, by the way. Don't know what that percentage is. But anyway, 30,000 people out of 2 million go. They storm Area 51. (laughs) UFO comes, sucks them up, abducts them, takes them away. I don't know who's driving the UFO. Could be us, could be that we reverse engineered one, could be that it's actual aliens going F yourselves, you know, here we are. That's the best possible outcome for me. I will be so fucking mad if I'm not there and that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that outcome. mm -hmm. I think that'd be a great outcome. And speaking of abductions, that is where we will pick up on the next episode of the Mystery in Our History podcast. We are going to be discussing alien abductions and sightings and interactions throughout the United States, not pertaining to Roswell, all the other stuff. Well, some of the other stuff, because there's way too much to discuss on one episode. But if you, as always, have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you would uh, like us to cover... Please feel free to list them in the comments below. Make sure to click the like and subscribe icons. And thanks for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.